It's that time of year again when I get to tell you about the Banner of Truth. The objective of the Banner of Truth is the promotion, advancement, and dissemination of better knowledge and understanding of the history and the doctrines of the true biblical Christian faith. We seek to inform, encourage, strengthen, and equip ordinary Christians and have a particular concern for ministers and pastors and those training for the ministry. We believe in biblical Christianity, and if we have to be labeled, we would be thought of as a reformed, Calvinistic, conservative, evangelical publisher. We seek to focus in our activities on the major and fundamental truths of biblical Christianity rather than on those truths which may be regarded as secondary, although not unimportant, such as church polity. We trace our theological heritage from the apostles through the early church to the Reformation to the Puritans such as John Owen, Richard Sibbs, and Thomas Brooks, and the 18th century heritage of George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards, and then on to the likes of Spurgeon, Ryle, Alexander, and Hodge in the 19th century, and Warfield, Murray, Hendrickson, and Lloyd-Jones of the 20th century. We publish books that were written from the time of the Reformation right through modern day. And through the whole month of September, you can use the code SHEPHERDSCROOK at checkout and get 10% off. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor. Come alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 154, I think it is, maybe three. I'll clarify that in the show notes for sure, but hope you're doing well this morning. It's been a great last week for me. I went on a bear hunt in Minnesota and I got a bear. Now, I'm going to have to leave you on the edge of your seat. You're going to have to wait to hear about that till Thursday. I'll tell the whole story. It's going to be a bonus episode on Thursday. No conversation this week, but the episode is going to be about my bear hunt and it was a lot of fun. So be ready for that. That'll be out on Thursday. But today we're going to continue our series on rites of passage and we're going to talk about leadership worship, work, protect, provide, lead, and love. This is what God has built men to do and to be, and so we're going to talk about leadership today. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into it and trust that the Lord's going to lead. Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you that I can come to you about anything, even as I'm record, even as I am recording right now. God, I trust that you're going to lead this, and I, need, I just need your help. And I pray that this would be encouraging to these men as they're helping to build rites of passages into a new generation of young men, and Lord, I pray for these pastors that as they're shepherding your people, as they're leading men in their churches, that they would have gravitas, that they would be decisive, and they would be men that other men want to emulate, that we would be able to say together with the Apostle Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. Not follow me because I've got everything going on. No, 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 no. Follow me as I follow Christ. And so help us to be the kind of men that other men want to follow. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We have been having a great time. I mean, I have been anyways. I can't speak for you, but I hope these rites of passages have been helpful for you to think through. And as I've stated, I think in every show, I want these to be replicable. So I don't want it to be so complicated that only, you know, me and our group of men here at our church can do something like this. I want this to be something that you can take and modify and just, I mean, it just gets your your brain going. It gets things kickstarted in your head and your heart. And I'm hoping that this is what you want to do for your sons. You want to build traditions where they are moving from a son to a man. And there's a clear marker in each stage 
of their life growing up from boyhood to manhood that they know my dad is walking with me and he's the one that's telling me, with a company of men telling me that I am now a man because I've walked through these rites of passages. And so the idea is when our sons are older, they're not going to question, you know, what, what does it mean to be a man? Am I a man? That kind of stuff. They're going to know exactly what that means. And so as we've been working through these biblical pictures and these biblical words, these six words that I have taken as just a kind of a biblical survey of manhood throughout the whole scriptures, there are these big themes, and there's certainly subcategories that roll out from each of these themes, but I, I do want to focus in on leadership, and I do want to plug my friend Zach Garris's book, Masculine Christianity. You've probably heard me talk about that. I've had Zach on the show as well, and I would really just encourage you to p- purchase that book and read it. It is the best book on the topic of the scriptures and gender, and specifically the areas that God has called men to lead, which would be first and foremost, with self-control, leadership of the man, that God has given him the Holy Spirit, and that man is to lead himself. But then in these three big spheres, the family, the church, and in society, God has called men to lead in those three spheres. And so we want to walk in that. We want to do that. And the scriptures are really clear on this. It really is only over the last 70, 80, 90 years that that's been questioned by mainstream Christians. And if you just look at the Bible and just read it, without any, you know, modern drapery upon it when it comes to feminism and just the modern evangelical egalitarian thought. You just see it so clearly in the scriptures. It's just there and there's no reason to deny it. Just embrace what God has to say and don't be embarrassed about it. And so the whole point is today that men are built to lead and then we're going to get to the rite of passage. So I'm going to kind of build a skeletal outline of this, let you then fill in the gaps as you're thinking through leadership, and then we'll get to the rite of passage. So men are called to lead from the very beginning of the scriptures. God made men in this way. And he gave Adam responsibility over the garden. He gave Adam responsibility even over Eve, his wife. He names his wife. And then we see that Adam was given the covenant of works and Eve was not with him. You can read that in Genesis 1, 1, 2, and 3. Adam was then responsible to give that covenant of works or declare that covenant of works to his wife Eve. And then what we find is after the sin, after, after the fall, God comes to Adam and holds Adam responsible for the breaking of the covenant for sinning against him. Even though it was Eve that ate first, we find that out in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We see that clearly in Genesis chapter 3 as well. Adam was with her and Adam was held responsible for that sin. We see that Adam is responsible for his wife. He had responsibility. This is about headship. We see this in the New Testament everywhere that the man, the husband, is the head of his wife. So God has built and made men to lead in the home. They have responsibility over the household. If that's the kingdom God has given them, they're responsible to lead sacrificially and to take care of what's given to them, take care of what's entrusted to them. They have the authority in that home to be the leader. They are the leader. Now, clearly, their wives are equal with them when it comes to dignity and worth and being made in the image of God, but there is a hierarchy of authority. And in the home, the man is given responsibility to lead sacrificially and to take care of what's entrusted to him. He has that authority to lead. Now, within the church, it's the same thing. In the church, God has established men to lead. Elders are to lead local churches. The apostles were all men. There were ladies that were walking around with the apostles. There were ladies that were walking around in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus clearly didn't care about social norms, and he broke cultural barriers all the time, but he chose 12 male apostles, and that is because there's consistency from the Old Testament to New. God has established the leaders of the church, the leaders of his people, to be men, and we see that clearly. So men have authority in the church. They have that leadership responsibility given to them, and then we also see this in the area of civil government. In the Old Testament, we see that the kings and the judges were men. 
There is one exception. We see that with Deborah. But I just want to argue with you real quick, just because Deborah was a judge at one point, we do not take that exception and make that the norm. In the same way with Josiah being an eight-year-old king when he was established king, we don't take eight-year-olds and say, see, eight-year-olds should be in, in these high positions of authority within the world, within the church. We don't say eight-year-olds should be pastors, nor should we say, because Deborah was made a judge, therefore that's the norm that should be prevalent within the church and see and see women can be pastors and leaders. See, this is just an egalitarian utopia in the scripture and all that kind of silliness. In the same way, it's silly to say, promote seven or eight-year-olds whenever Josiah was made king. It would be just as silly to say, see, let's promote somebody like Deborah, because that's so outside of the norm of how God operates. And so that is the exception, not the norm. But what's clear throughout the whole test, Old Testament to the New is that God calls men to lead in the civil government, not just in the world, or not just in the church and not just in the home. Men are to be protectors of society, and this makes its application today in things like being a police officer, things like civil government. We should expect and we should want more and more men to step up and say, I will take sacrificial responsibility. Men are called to lead. Now, with leadership, we have to keep in mind, I think, a word that's really important to leadership, and that is decisiveness. Decisiveness. One of the things we got to do when we're raising up our sons, as we're telling them about the responsibilities that are going to be given to them, is we want them to practice along the way with the responsibility that they have. So things like a home, things like the toys that they have been given, things like special gifts that we give to them, responsibilities outside of the home as they get older, and responsibilities inside of the home as well. We want to make sure that they are walking in those faithfully and that they're taking those responsibilities seriously and growing in those. Now, as they're younger, obviously this is going to be difficult because children are really, I mean, kids are kids. And so we have to train them up and we have to help them not just know how to do something, but also how to make decisions with the knowledge that they're growing into. Here's what I mean. There are so many men that have knowledge about how to do something or knowledge in a specific area of life, but they don't know how to make a decision. They don't know how to make a decision and say, this is the decision. This is where we need to go. This is what I need to do. This is how it's going to be done. And then don't look back. Now, if they make a mistake, they need to be wise enough and we need to shepherd them along the way to say, I was wrong or I should have done that differently. But being decisive is absolutely crucial and being decisive also comes with gravitas. Now, if you're not familiar with gravitas, I would encourage you to read C.R. Wiley's book, Man of the House, and get familiar with gravitas. We need men with gravitas. Now, a friend of mine, his life ended tragically, but I am thankful for his impact on my life. His name was Darren Patrick. Darren was a pastor. You guys, most of, most of you knew Darren or know of Darren, and there was something unexplainable about Darren Patrick. When he walked into a room, there was a gravitas that was absolutely unexplainable. There was something about him where you wanted to be close to him, you wanted him to think well of you, you wanted to be friends with him, you wanted to learn from him. I cannot explain it, but it was gravitas. And see, he was a man who knew how to make decisions and he knew how to lead. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, he made some bad decisions along the way and he didn't learn all the lessons he could have. And his life ended tragically. But one of the things that I want that Darren Patrick had, and I want for my children, for my sons in particular, is that gravitas. I want them to carry themselves in such a way where others are pulled in, not just to their persona, not just to their way of life, but I want them to be pulled in to following Jesus Christ. That's what I want. I want for them and for myself, for men and women to be attracted to Christ and to follow him. So we want them to have decisiveness and we want them to have gravitas. 
Okay, now let's think in the terms, uh, and I've already dropped this word once, let's think in terms of kingdom. Every single little boy is going to at one point have a kingdom, and they're going to have people under their rule, and they're going to be a king in this kingdom. Now, their kingdom may be bigger or smaller based on the talents that God has given them and based on past faithfulness, you know, how well they've done in the responsibilities that God has given them in the past. But they're going to have a kingdom as they get older. They're going to have a family. They're going to have a business. They're going to have a home and property. They're going to have vehicles. They're going to have responsibilities all around them that they are going to have to take care of. And they're going to have to rule well. And what we want to do with our boys is train them up so they're not tyrants. We want to train them up so they're good kings. We want to train them up so they're living and serving and sacrificing in such a way that the kingdom is healthy and alive and vibrant and joyful. So that's a mark of a good king. A good king You can tell a good king or a bad king based on how the kingdom is doing. Does that king primarily see the kingdom as existing for him? Or does he see himself existing for the good of the kingdom? Good kings understand they exist for the good of others. Now, I I like the word sacrificial leadership more than servant leadership for several reasons. Aaron Rand has pointed out this issues with the idea of servant leadership. If we raise our sons and the only concept they have of leadership is that of a servant, what can end up happening is that leadership gets pushed to the side and servanthood is almost exclusively the idea idea that's caught. And if you only understand servanthood, Okay, if you only understand that, and we have to be more fully biblical than just than taking just one term and applying it to our lives. Serving is good. Being a servant of all is a good thing. But if our sons only understand servanthood, here's what ends up happening. The authority that God has given them gets pushed to the side. The authority to lead in a benevolent manner and lead by the front lines and to take the hill and to do what's required to make sure the kingdom is taken care of gets pushed to the side as he looks to his wife and says, honey, what do you want me to do for you? And certainly, he needs to serve his wife. But leadership doesn't simply look like looking to everybody else in the kingdom and saying, what should I do? There has to be decisiveness. The kingdom is not in charge of the king. The king has authority over the kingdom, and he has to lead them and certainly serve them and certainly sacrifice for them. But he does have that authority. So I like sacrificial leadership more than the term servant leadership. Now, let's think through a rite of passage. Let's bring all this together and think through a rite of passage. Now, for our sons and pastors, as you're thinking through this, again, think through how you can do this and build this into the life of your church where you're helping these these young men be raised with competencies, not just the competencies and the knowledge to do a particular thing or a task, but the wisdom and the decisiveness to carry it out, and then giving them responsibilities, letting these young boys know and letting their, their fathers know that they have this real authority. And you're going to have to take time to teach this. I mean, go through the book Masculine Discipleship together. It's just a phenomenal book. But now, the, the rite of passage. All right, let me get to it. I keep kind of beating around the bush here. What we're going to do with our sons, what I'm doing with my boys, when they get to the point where I see that they are ruling well in the areas that God has entrusted to them, as a young man, as a, as a boy, this is going to be in the teenage years, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to plan out a five to seven day river float trip, depending upon how long it's going to take. We're going to go to the Jack's Fork River or the current river in Missouri, and they're going to be responsible for mapping out a whole river float. They're going to map out all the stops that we're going to make along the way. They're going to get the drop-off points. They're going to have to use a map. They're not going to use their phone. They're going to have to get a map out, and they're going to have to read this map and know where the drop-off points are going to be, where we're going to get dropped off, where we're going to stop each night to camp. They're going to have to be in charge of buying all the food, bringing all the food for us to be able to eat along the way. They're going to plan the entire trip. 
And me and Valor, because Ransom's going to do this first, me and Valor will go along on this float, but Ransom is going to be the one who's in charge of planning the whole thing. He's going to have to make decisions. He's going to have to protect me and Valor. Now, obviously, I'm going to be there, okay? So I'm, I'm still their protector. But in this trip, on this trip, he's going to be responsible for being the king of this kingdom. I'm giving him opportunities as I'm there with him to take responsibility over a group of people. And that's going to be me and his brother. And then... When Valor gets old enough, he's going to have to do, do the exact same thing. And he's going to take his dad and his older brother down the river. He's going to have to plan the whole thing. And this rite of passage, I think, is going to be an amazing thing. So at the end of this rite of passage, then, he will get, just like something else, there'll be a ceremony, and we'll have a gift for him. I don't know, know what that gift is going to be yet. I've got 10 years or so to figure that out. But that's going to be something intentional for him, where he's going to have to take responsibility to be decisive and lead the way, because we're going to be looking to him. It's just a rite of passage to, to be a symbol to him. Hey, you can be a leader. You can take responsibility for people. And you can do this well. And at the end of that thing, he's going to know it. We did this. I did this. Certainly with God's help and by his grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can do what God has called me to do. And I can be a good king. And so when he's ready to be married, when he's ready to have a family, he's going to walk into that knowing how to wield the authority God has given him and to wield that authority well for the good of the kingdom. Not asking the kingdom to exist for him, but him existing in a sacrificial manner for the good of the kingdom. Guys, I hope this has been helpful. Jump on Banner of Truth. If you want to get on Banner of Truth, you can get 10% off for this whole month. And if you would, please help me spread the word. Share this. Leave a rating or review on iTunes. Get on Instagram. Share it. What I don't know. However you share stuff, get on Gab. That's where I'm at now. And let people know about the show. But thanks so much for continuing to come back. One final thing. The Rites of Passage series, at the end of this, it's going to be live until we get through the last, so next week, and it'll probably be live for another month. But then what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually close the Rite of Passage series down, and it's going to be pay only. Only those who have listened through it for this first time are listening to it for free. I'm going to package this and sell it for $20 for people to come and to purchase the series. And so if you're in on it right now, good for you, and you guys have gotten it for free, obviously, then it's going to get locked down for others. So if you want to go ahead and download it now and save it or whatever, you can do that, and then you can have that if you want to re-listen to it later on. Okay, guys, thanks so much. Keep coming back. I hope you have a great rest of your week.